Spider Your Way to the Top in Tower of Babel on Amigos, episode 335. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Tower of Babel. Oh, my. Have you ever been described as a Tower of Babel? Uh, <laughs> that sounds like an insult, Boat. Now that I think about it, hey, at least I'm not That's short. At least I'm not an outhouse of Babel. But no, I've never been called that until now. Um, you know, what is it about you that, you know, I've, I've told you several times. What, what is it about it's you just, anyway? Why are you bringing me into this right away? I don't like where this is going. I've told you several times that you're the true talent on this podcast because <laughs> you can speak at length on any subject indefinitely. Well, Where do you think you picked that up from? Well, you know, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this, but and people that know me know this all too well, is that I can't stand uncomfortable silence. I just can't mm -hmm. stand it. And so uh, even when I'm talking, when I'm sitting or in a room with people that I don't know, I can't help but say something like in my... In, on a date, first date, you know. What's your uh, icebreaker on the first date? I don't. Well, it, uh, see, you would assume there's a plan, but there's no plan <laughs> involved in, in in what I say. I'm just going to come up with something, and what I try to do is gauge the person or the room, or if you like. I mean, listen, I've been in court, and you're sitting there with a law with the with the defense attorney for the other guy, or he's there mm -hmm. beside you. So what do you say to this guy? You know. You talk yeah, about his true. suit, or you talk about uh, how hard it was to get parking, you know, stuff like that, and then you try to weasel your way into something. Sometimes it doesn't you ever, work. You know. Have you ever accepted a bribe from the defense attorney? Uh, well, they've never offered me one, uh, because so. most of my clients, uh, defense attorneys, uh, they don't need they don't need my uh, acquiescence to try to beat. Are you me. saying Johnny Cochran's not defending any of these guys? No, not to mention I'm an I'm the last honest man, Bo. You know that. I take I, a bribe. Are. I mean, I I like money. I would take it depends if the money was right, and if the, it depends on how big a scumbag the client was. But I don't see that in my future. In all honesty, yeah. just that, just this paragraph of speech could get me kicked out of the entire profession. So thank you, Boat. Appreciate that. No, no bribe. <laughs> no bribes. No bribes. That's our logo. Yep. So Aaron, it's time to move on to this. <laughs> thank God, the shall we? <laughs> what a what an auspicious debut that was, Boat. Are you ready for the news? I'm ready, man. Me too. Let's, Let's get it. out of here. Good guy. All right, Aaron. There are uh, a few folks, sadly, that have left us this week. Uh, it's, it's just sort of been a downer week for uh, you know people uh, of, of note that have, have passed on. Yeah. And uh, the the one that's most connected to the uh, the classic gaming scene is um, Mr. Paul McLaughlin. Uh, yes. He was a bullfrog and lionhead artist uh, who passed away at the age of 57. Far too young, Aaron. Um, yeah. This is, a, this is a guy that, one of the guys that co-founded uh, Bullfrog with Peter Molyneux. Uh, it's, it's, you can't understate the amount of impact that Bullfrog had on the world of the Amiga and the PC later on. Uh, he, he made... Uh, he was he worked on Powermonger, the Syndicate, uh, Magic Carpet, Theme Park, and Dungeon Keeper. I mean, yeah. that's a murderer's row of games yeah. right there. Aaron. Yeah, it's it. You know, he ultimately ended up with uh, at the twenty two cans 
which that didn't go too mm-hmm. good, you know. But his no. body of work, I mean, it wasn't his fault. Uh, his body of work was uh, uh, beyond reproach. He was uh, he was uh, involved in the good stuff. I mean, man, I'm telling you, Magic Carpet when that thing came out, uh, that was a uh, really graphically was a game changer for me and my friends. I really couldn't believe that the PC was pushing out that kind of action back in the day. And Bullfrog was that company, you know, and they, these companies come along occasionally where they're the magic company, you know. They can do no wrong. They're and they're uh, putting out nothing but original grade-A material. Of course, ultimately, they got, you know, picked up, and it all kind of went cockeyed. But, yeah, he had a heck of a run. And, it, and 57 is, good God, that's way too young. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you that right yeah. now. And he's a good-looking, good-looking dude. You know, it's a it's a tragedy, and he will be missed, but he definitely left his mark, Boat. Absolutely. So, melancholy happy trails to Paul McLaughlin. Yeah. Now, Aaron, this next story, you posted in our Amiga News section <laughs> on the Discord. You said, <laughs> we have to cover this. Tell us about I it. I did. Well, you know, uh, a long time ago, I covered, I mean, I can cover it, but I, on, a, on stream, I played a game called Human Killing Machine. And I've done it, I think I've played it a couple of times, and, and I, I came across this, and I'm like, this is the wackiest game I've ever seen. And by wacky, I mean garbage. Garbage game. <laughs> and so I, I follow this guy, uh, Matt McMuscles. And mm-hmm. McMuscles here, yeah, well, I, I'm not sure it's his real name, uh, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. He does a series called What Happened, where he goes over what happened to these games to make them horrible. So I'm instantly drawn to it. <laughs> I'm still waiting for his coverage of Top Banana. Uh, but with all yeah. that said, uh, he covered uh, uh, a human killing machine in his worst fighting game, uh, uh, his worst fighting game series. And the story behind this, I never heard. Uh, Ocean wanted another Street Fighter, and Street Fighter and Capcom wasn't didn't have another Street Fighter because apparently Street Fighter One sold great for Ocean. And so, or it was the U.S. Gold. Whoever it was, they decided they just make their own Street Fighter Two mm-hmm. or Three. Can't be that hard. And they thought, and they even pitched it to Capcom, like, "Listen, we will call it Street Fighter Three. It'll be awesome." And Capcom was <laughs> like, no, like, "No, no, we're not you. doing that." So <laughs> they just made their own Street Fighter, and the old, and that's what Human Killing Machine was. It's a game where you can only play as one character, and you travel the globe fighting other people and animals occasionally. <laughs> And and glitched up it bosses. Like a game where you can really give it to an animal or two. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what to say. Hey, we got a lot of fighting animals around here. If you know what I mean, the dogs, the roosters, everything. But this was a gr- this is a great game to look at if you lo- want to see someone make a game that was based on something good, but they don't know what they're doing and they do a horrible job. So I urge you to check this out. I don't know what the vi- I can't get the video to run this window, but it's good. Check it out. Yeah. It's Human Killing Machine, the worst fighting game series, and the channel is Matt McMuscles. Check out his channel, too. Awesome. It's good stuff. Now, speaking of some videos you might be interested in, Aaron, this next one is a Twitch channel that's just been started by the one, the only, Earock, Aaron. This is a name that comes up time and again uh, on uh, Indie Retro News, uh, and he has started a Twitch channel where he is doing a live development on the Scorpion engine. Oh, my God. Uh, You're kidding me. Live? Yeah, live <laughs> development. So, uh, you know, this is one of those things, Aaron, that whenever we have on International Computer Club or on Coco Talk, they get these guys in here like Alan, like other guys that, that are real coders that break stuff down. People go nuts for that stuff. So yeah. I can understand why 
he's doing this, and I'm sure it's going to be a big hit. Uh, he is a, like I said, he's a well-known uh, coder, in, and he, you know, he invented the Scorpion engine. It's his. It's his thing. Uh, he's working on so many games. He's working on a new uh, Rick Dangerous. This is a 32-color edition. Uh, he's working on um, Rough and Tumble. Or, I'm sorry, this is a game called Lost Asylum, which is that weird Rough and Tumble meets Mario type thing. Yeah. So I'm sure that he's going to be demoing these games as well as you know talking people through the coding process on the Scorpion engine. This is really cool, Aaron. I mean, this is sort of the promise of services like Twitch is that not only can you watch people stream video games, but you might even be able to learn something from people, you know, at the top of their game in real time. Really cool stuff. I will say, I don't know if this is what they put when you don't enter any data, but it just says, we don't know much about them, but we're sure E-Rock is great. That's, that's all you need to know right there. <laughs> it's early days. Yeah, early so, days. Uh, clearly he's uh, just getting this channel rolling, but yeah, we like E-Rock. He does good work. Yeah, yeah. And there in our final news story this week, it's been a little bit of a slow news week here on Amigos. Uh, we have, now do you remember this guy? This is the uh, D4XX. Oh, yes. I remember yeah. him all too well. Yes. Another <laughs> so, cool uh, guy picture. That's right. A, a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was a couple months ago, he released a Turrican remix album. Yeah. Uh, well, he's done it again, Aaron. He's done it again. Uh, he has released a remix album of the music from Jaguar XJ220, Aaron. Uh, now, I will say, unlike the Turrican music, I haven't heard it a million billion times already. So I'm going to be checking this out. And, uh, of course, the way that Bandcamp works with the majority of their, their music, you can listen to it as much as you want for free. And if you decide to pull the trigger, listen, it's two euro. It's two euro, Aaron. Two. I might buy it just to, just to throw some bucks towards the funding of a new Cool Guy picture uh, by d I was just thinking, we should look up who made his Cool Guy picture and see if they can make us cool. That's true. We could put some gonna... zeros and crap in our names and get and get over, man. Listen, if you start putting Leet Speak and Amigo Aaron, you want to talk about fandom. That's, that's how you all. Get it. That's all I'm missing, eh? That's yeah. I'm going to go for it. Hey, you know, since it's a slow news thing, and since they're coming up, let me get into a couple things real quick here. Since we're in the news, yeah, uh, man. The, the first thing I want to talk about uh, is next week. Now, both this is going to be a big week for uh, for our channel. Because we're doing uh, International Computer Club, it'll oh, be yeah. next. It'll be next. Uh, uh, it'll be next Saturday, four p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, and it will be a happening boat because we've got the biggest lineup we've ever had for International Computer Club. Uh, I think we've got eight. I think we've got eight uh, entries this time around. Eight uh, big entries. And it is uh, all over the place uh, in terms of what they're going to talk about. Some people are not even sure what they're going to talk about, but by God, they're going to talk about something. But it should be a happening boat. And we ha again, we've started earlier this year, so it's going to be 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the date on that, once again, will be Saturday, the 29th of January. That's a week from tomorrow as we record this, 4 o'clock p.m. Uh, for International Computer Club. Now, there are two ways to participate in this boat, as you know. Uh, the first way is to simply show up uh, on Twitch. This will be just on the same place you're at right now. This will be on the uh, Amigo uh, Retro Gaming channel on Twitch. Uh, and we'd love for you to come in, stop by, and participate in the chat. Uh, the second way you can entertain yourself and get more involved is to join us in the Discord area. We'll have an International Computer Club Discord voice and video channel, which we've been running these from. Uh, so if you're in our Discord... Just hop on in, 
Uh, you can hop in and out if you'd like. Uh, come in if you can't stay for the entire duration. That's no problem. We understand we've got people from all over the world. And we'd be more than happy to uh, accommodate you by having you come in. You don't have to even uh, give any sort of demonstration. You can just come in and have a presence in the room. That's International Computer Club a week from tomorrow, 29th. You looking forward to that boat? I, more than anything else I can remember. Uh, I love ICC because, I'll tell you why, because it is not constrained by any bounds of like what's on limits and what's off limits for people to talk about. We've yeah. had so many different types of presentations. I mean, it all sort of is ostensibly about classic computing in some way or another. Yeah. But I mean, everything from, you know, Rob giving demonstrations on how to load movie posters off a of Raspberry Pi People sharing their their book collections and even some newer stuff. Remember when Graham shared his GameCube collection with everybody? Yeah. I mean, I love seeing just the variety of things that people have collected that they're proud of and that they want to show off. That's yeah. super, super cool. It should be a good time. I'm really looking forward to it, uh, Boat. Uh, I also want to plug, uh, you know, we haven't done one of these since October, uh, but tonight, tonight's the night, uh, we will be bringing back conversations from the dark side. Uh, that's gonna, tonight. That's tonight, brother. What? It's, yeah. Wow. That's oh, what, man. That's great. <laughs> Are you that stunned? I can't believe it. <laughs> I it's, thought it was next week. No, it's that's tonight. Great, I'm not going to double oh. up that in ICC. Are you mad? <laughs> tonight, it, it will be a conversation with the dark side. Uh, myself and my good buddy, Jack Flack, a.k.a. Rob O'Hare, will be kicking it up old school at 830. Tonight's topic is going to be UFO encounters boat. And oh, I'm sure man. I'm sure you've seen a UFO sometime in your life, or maybe I've seen it came couple. out of one. The way I see it, <laughs> from after talking to you. So anyway, if you want to uh, check us out, that's uh, again this channel, Amigos Retro Gaming, at 8:30 tonight. It will be uh, conversations from the dark side. Should be a lot of fun. We'll probably go a couple hours, or until people get sick of it, and then we'll roll out the door. So two big things coming up, boat. Should be a lot of fun. I'll be there. I will be there. Hey, should we talk right, before, before we move on? One more thing. Okay. We should probably okay. talk about meatloaf right here. Okay. Because yeah. I want to talk yeah. about him real quick. I know this isn't related to anything, uh, but you know, I'm a. I was always a big Rocky Horror fan, and that my first exposure, whether or not to meatloaf, was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He played Eddie uh, in the Rocky Horror, and in uh, in the late seventies, he made an album along with Jim Steinman called Bout Out of Hell." It's one of the hey, all-time great albums. You want an interesting trivia fact? Go ahead. J Jim Steinman, uh, high school classmates with Tony Kornheiser. No kidding. You know, it seems like I, I may have heard Tony say that at some point. Tony was a very famous sports announcer over here, a uh, talking head on ESPN. Um, Jim Steinman, a genius writer. Gosh, how many number one hits has he had? Writer, producer, yeah, musician, he's, he's all-around great guy behind the Not scene. singer, I will say. Yeah. <laughs> but everything take, else. Take, take Trevor Horn. Jim Steinman is the opposite of Trevor Horn. He's, he made music better, not worse. He was a genius. I was reading today that when they shopped around Bout of Hell, uh, they were turned down by every major record label and all the minor ones. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> they talked Todd Rundgren into producing the album only because... Good move. Only because... Yeah, but it's not because he's great. It's because he thought it was a hilarious parody of Bruce Springsteen. So go Which figure is also that. a great story. <laughs> So, and all, a lot of the songs on the album were written for uh, one of Jim Steinman's uh, plays. Jim Stein was mm -hmm. always, he, in fact, this actually became a Broadway play at one point, Bad of Hell. I've never seen it, but and of course, it didn't have meatloaf in it. But of course, you team up 
uh, Steinman's lyrics with the, with the meat man, and you got something. This guy, yeah. he looked like a big tubby load of goo. He sort of reminds me in like high Chris school. Farley in that picture. Well, in high school, I had I was a tubby guy with long, stringy crap hair, so I had a lot in common with the meat man. Sure. I actually caught Meatloaf live in concert uh, in, uh, gosh, it was the mid-90s. Uh, and he was, uh, uh, it was in between Bad Out of Hell 1 and 2. I mean, it was well in between, because Bad Out of Hell 1 came out in like 1979, 1980, something like that. Right. And Bad Out of Hell 2, I think, came out in the 90, 90, 95. Yeah, it was way in. Yeah, and he was talking 95. about, he was talking about Bad Out of Hell 2 at the show. And I remember for years, I kept telling my buddy, Bad Out of Hell 2's coming, Meatloaf said, and he's like, you're full of crap, that's never coming out. And when it came out, I went to his house and held it up, I was like, here it is! Was you know, that buddy... Host. No, it was it was Brian Walker of all people. If you, I don't know if mm. you know who that is, but uh, and of course, Battle Hell Two, not the album Battle Hell One was, but still a pretty decent album. I had some big hits on it. Yeah, it sure did. And of course, it brought Meatloaf back to number one. It took it back to another. To a, it got him a Grammy. He performed mm-hmm. at the All Star Game. I remember that was a real big deal for him. And he was back in the in the game. Uh, he was big all over the world, Australia. Uh, he was big in the Later UK. Later in life, had a career as a uh, celebrity on one of those uh, Big Brother. He shows, was on Trump's right? show, uh, yeah. the uh, your what the uh, Celebrity Apprentice. He also had an acting career. He went. He was in every quality of film, from Bigfoot Hunter all the way up to Fight Club. He was. <laughs> he was. In, he was in all kinds of. He was in. Uh, if you ever saw uh, the uh, uh, movie for uh, the uh, uh, the D. What was that? The, you know, uh, what's this dude's band? Uh, Pete Gas. Uh, Are you talking about Twisted Sister? No, no, <laughs> no, not D. No, D. Snyder. No, no. Oh. What? I'm not gonna talk about music with you. But no, he was a rock legend. I looked. This is supposedly in the top five. It's one of like five or six albums that ever sold over 40 million units. Yeah. You know, Huge so. seller, bad out of hell. So anyway, Absolutely. Tenacious D, thank you, Retro. He was a Tenacious D's pick of destiny. In a great mm-hmm. opening bit where he played the uh, churchy father, and he sang in that. It was great. So anyway, I wanted to, I know this is completely unrelated to our show, but I wanted to uh, bid a fond adios to Meatloaf. I always uh, felt like a kindred spirit to this guy, uh, except he had talent. Uh, but I always liked him. I enjoyed seeing him live. I enjoyed seeing him uh, on TV. I enjoyed his albums. I grew up listening to this stuff. By grew up, I mean when I was a teenager, uh, when I discovered it later. But it was great stuff. Bo, did, did you catch Battle of Hell at any point in your life? Have you heard of Meatloaf? Battle of Hell 2 came along at about the same time that I started getting interested in popular music. Yeah. Like recent popular music. And I remember seeing I, that I would do anything for love video played ad nauseum. Yeah. On uh, on VH1 uh, back in the day, and so yeah, that was my first exposure to Meatloaf, and I didn't even hear Paradise by the Dashboard Light until like I was in high school. Oh man. I mean, I just they, they never played it on the radio because I guess it was so long. I never heard it on the radio. So. I did all the time on 105. You probably were listening to some other station. Uh, yeah, that that station scared me. I know, I know how you are. Well, so have you ever heard Battle of Hell in its entirety? No, no, Please. I should give it a listen. I bet you it's really great. should. It's a, it's a uh, there's a reason why it's a top seller. It is mm-hmm. uh, it from it, there's not a bad track on the album, and there's some fun, amusing surprises on the album as well. Plus, he had a great big hit with Cher uh, called uh, "Dead Ringers for Love." If you're they had a duet, uh, so you know Milo for a while ran in, t- in uh, uh, some big circles. He was up and down. He had psychological problems. He had, he saw a, uh, a psychiatrist most of his life, uh, including he had voice his voice left him, and it was all it was all in his head. 
uh, during I've heard tours. About that happening. So it's yeah. a. It, he's a real interesting guy, but he overcame a lot to be a big star, and he will be missed by me, Boat. Okay, that's all the fandom I can put out for the meat man. Carry on. All right, well, let's talk about another guy we're a big fan of, and that's Frank over at RetroRewind.ca. Yes. Also big you know, the new products. The new products are coming fast and furious, Aaron. Uh, this past week, Frank has released Unto the World a A600-1200 compact flash to IDE adapter. Now, you know how important these things are if you want to get a WHD installation going on your Amiga. Uh, this is, it's a, it looks like, uh, you know, I've seen these before, and this one looks just like a, a better quality version of what I've seen in, in A600s before. This thing is, is a really important piece of kit, and it you can be yours. One. It can be yours, Aaron, for the low, low price of $45. Mm. Now, you may think, well, that's 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 pretty good. That's pretty good. That's a lot cheaper than what I've seen these going around for. But that's not all, folks. If you use the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout, you can save 10% off this or any order. And listen, you're going to want to shop around because there's a lot more on here than adapters. Frank's got a whole range of cap kits. He's got a recapping service for you. He started carrying Tandy Color Computer stuff, Aaron. This guy is slowly, slowly taking over the entire retro computing space. Uh, before you know it, he's going to cover every single computer under the sun. And, uh, you know, I'm happy. It couldn't have happened to a better guy because, Frank, he's an honest guy. He's going to treat you right. He's going to tell you straight up what's going on with your machine. You know, I was on the old Westchester Amiga user group last night, and there was a guy on there, a guy I didn't know named Chris, and he was talking about, he was singing Frank's praises, Aaron. He said that, you know, this guy... You send him a computer, and he gives you play-by-play -play updates as he discovers things, you know, things that are going on with the system. He'll write you emails saying, well, I found this and this, and this is what's going on with this. He said he's never gotten customer service from a recapper like that before. And, of course, you know, Aaron, we've sort of languished in the desert when it comes to these Amiga resellers over the years. You know, it's hard to get in touch with them. The shipping, oftentimes from Europe, is unreliable, to say the least. It's so kidding. nice to have a, a North American solution. And even if you are overseas, Frank will take care of you, and he tries to get stuff to you just as cheap as he can. He's not scraping anything off the top when it comes to shipping and handling charges. Uh, I just I can't say enough of good things about Retro Rewind. You know, I want to touch up real quick because I I'd not heard about this uh, CF adapter, and luckily Frank's here in the chat. He mentions that this is the world's first uh, buffered compact flash to IDE adapter, uh, buffered for stability, uh, and uh, which will come in handy for your Fury uses. That is a big deal. I'd I'd say I've never I've never heard of that. So that's quite a that's quite interesting. That definitely sets it apart. Uh, of course, yes. Uh, we can say what we want about Frank in terms of his quality, in terms of his shipping time, and the whole nine yards. He's also a man of the community, a real good guy, and uh, he also uh, is going to be at the ICC next Saturday to talk Showing about off what new he's... products. Yeah, new products. I love it. You know, I've often said, listen, anyone can come and talk about their new game or new product uh, at at the ICC, and Frank has never ever turned me down. He's back again, so we're looking forward to see what he's got on offer. But yeah, check him out. Use Amigos 10. Get you a few bucks off. Uh, it's a good deal for all around. Absolutely. All right, Aaron. It is time to talk about the Tower of Babel. Oh, man. Hey, Boat, I always ask. I'll ask again. You ever heard of this one? Never. Never now, once. Not me. Not one time. I ever, and what really astounds me is the, the people behind this. <laughs> you think it would have been a bigger deal. So 
the interestingly named Tower of Babel, and we'll get to this in a moment when I get into the backstory. I don't know if you looked into it, but I sure did. Uh, this was released in 1990 on, on one disc. That's astounding, isn't it, Boat? I just, I just it's another that. example of just like how little space flat shaded polygons take up. It's the elite, elite, yeah. uh, the elite two thing all over again. Now, this was published uh, by Rainbird, which is sort of like Microprose's little publishing arm. They've done a ton of stuff that we've actually covered. They did Midwinter, the, both the Midwinter games. They did both the Star Gliders. They've done a ton of stuff. I looked. They published a bunch of these graphical text games, Boat, on the Amiga. Really? We have, have we ever done one of those aside from the the, the HP Lovecraft one? I don't think we have. Ever. Oh, yeah. We definitely have. Uh, I think Hounds of Shadow. Wasn't that's the, that that's a... the HP Lovecraft one, yeah. that's all, But that's aside from that, have we ever done another oh, one? Oh, okay. Right. I don't think we ever no. have. And that one didn't Maybe have that not. many graphics. So, mm -hmm. for the future, that might be something kind of interesting, because those are a big deal in the Coco. But they did tons of those, including one simply titled FISH! With an exclamation point at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what that's all about. They also published Weird Dreams. Now, that's a strange game. If you ever played that one, mm -hmm. I, that one I have. Oh. Uh, with. Um, so, everyone's got this listed as developer unknown. So I'm gonna, But I'm assuming this was developed in-house at Microsoft. And when you hear who worked on it, you'll understand why. Um... So this was uh, coded by a fellow named Chris Newcomb. Uh, he did a, a game called First Contact, Granny's Garden, and he also did Gunship 2000, by the way. Uh, it was also coded by a fellow named Pete Cook, who did Tau Seti 2 Academy. Uh, he did uh, Granny's Garden, Harlequin, Wor World Circuit, and he also did uh, F1 Grand Prix. So there's a lot of car stuff from him. Uh, and the game design was also by Newcomb, uh, and you, most of these guys are your are some at least of the Microprose crew. So I would assume that Microprose got, did, did this. It's odd to me that this was listed as no as no one knew the developer uh, on all the sites I went to, and so I had I tried to nose around, but I I suspect mm -hmm. it's, it was a it was a uh, and which makes it me wonder why we never heard of it. And also it right. it, it, remind, it makes me wonder a few things, which we'll get to here. Um, so this was, uh, of course, ECS OCS uh, game. This was this was not an Amiga original. This was actually based on the Atari ST version. Uh, this was also released aside from the Atari ST. It was on the Acorn Archimedes boat. I was going to say that that seems par for the course with this developer because it was the same way. Did you say that they did hunt? They didn't do Hunter. They did Midwinter, right? Correct. Okay. Both the okay. I was yeah. going to say this. I don't. It would be interesting to know if Midwinter was also because that was a huge game. If that was originally an ST game too. Yeah. So I, I know it was on the ST. So listen now, right. boat. I, I don't usually read a, a ton of flavor text on here, but the story is. I'm going to summarize it as best I can. Did, I, did you look at the backstory for this game? I I, I have. I'm okay. looking forward to seeing how you summarize. Well, it. Well, I'm going to because uh, you could. It's a whole page. So I'm not going to read the whole page. So. We know they mentioned in the in the manual here that of course there was a flood, Noah built an ark, and the people of the world decided to congregate in a place called uh, Shinar, and that's where they decided to build the tower. And this was a tower that they were going to use to commune with God. All right, sounds familiar, doesn't it, Boat? Well, uh, I'll tell you something, Aaron. Yeah. As as somebody who's a little familiar with the Bible, yeah. The Tower of Babel is one of those stories that is it has very little basis in like the the story that we know is not the story from the Bible. This is a story that has been expounded upon by later people because in the Bible the story is 
people built the city. God told the God told the people to disperse all over the world. The people said no. The people said we're going to build this great city, and Typical. we're going to congregate here. Yeah, okay? that's what we do. And God got angry, yeah. and God destroyed the city. The tower part of the story, the people, the thing that people associate where they built the tower to try and reach God or talk to God or whatever, that's not in the Bible. Somebody came up with that later. They mentioned the tower one time in the Bible, and it's no different than a tower that's in any great city. I believe so, it was in one of the many supplements to the Bible, Boat. You may yeah, have read yeah, all have been in, The Bible's a lot right. like uh, D&D. They got different modules. And this one was, and what a riveting title, too, The Tower of Babel. I like it. Don't, it's never, a good title. I can see why I went a good with story. It. And it gets better because these guys also must have thought that the Bible's version was lacking, and so they juiced it up a little bit for the game. They're so, playing the Champions Mod version. Yeah. The purpose of the tower, of course, that you so you could communicate with God didn't work, okay, unfortunately. Uh, and God never saw the tower. But, it says in the manual, it did attract the interest of a passing... Naravas Class 1 Cruiser from Xantor. By the way, there's another one of those classic <laughs> names from the 50s. You know, That's all right. these old cheese, you know, old guys that grew up watching Flash Gordon crap. They're when like, you think Xantor, you immediately think of a bald guy with a red pointy beard with some major league eyebrows. Yeah. So, this the cruiser from Xantor, by the way, it's a planet in a solar system some 30 light years from Earth. So, now it says here, being benevolent beings, the Xantorians left a triad of robots uh, to assist the people of Shinar with their tower. So they effectively left robots to help these people build the tower. To, to, this is sort of, isn't there, isn't that the whole story of the pyramids too? How the pyramids could, well, really got built? Listen, we haven't got to that game yet. Okay. Uh, so, the robots were sculpted in the form of the Xantorians. So these uh, robots look a lot like Xantorians. And they were instructed to teach the people of Earth about life and the universe in general. So it it's sounds a weird good. thing because, as far as I know, these robots don't speak. Yeah, well, well, I mean, we, how, we don't know that. So, being humans, of course, you know, we drop the ball, and right. so if it, we worked with these guys for a while, and but eventually, uh, people started leaving. And there were only a few of the Shenarians left with the spiders. And they had a good relationship, but eventually it went south, okay? So, uh, at, what happened was, there was like basically a, a, a revolt. And the spiders wanted to keep building this tower because it was their only way to get home. To build a tower high enough to send a communique back to someone tell them to pick them up. If you can believe that. You'd think they'd know they were there. They dropped them off. But right. they, they, they didn't know. And so the humans were not happy with this. And so the, they, they started making traps and pitfalls and, and screwing with the spiders to make them fail. Okay? So it's your job to help the spiders overcome these traps and these jerk humans that left these things all around. So to try to my question these. is, yeah. do you think you play as a human or a Xantorian? No, you're, no you are a Xantorian. You are okay. okay well, you're, I, well, no, I you're a robot that. in the in the image of a Zantorian. It's sort of like a, it's sort of like Zool. <laughs> you're not an ant. You're you know uh, representative so, of a Zantorian like species. Now, before we get into this, I want to ask you. Uh, of course, when you see, hear the phrase "Tower of Babel," okay, what's the what do you think of? Right, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? Um, the story from the Bible. Okay, bam. Okay, there you go. Now, 
what doesn't pop into your mind? Spider robots uh, from Beyond the Moon, for example. Xantor. That's right. And so I think that, that they didn't themselves no favors with the name of this. Also, the Tower of Babel is not in it, or Babel's. It's not in here. There's a bunch of towers, and and uh, it really doesn't have anything to do with what you're playing in the game. Well, listen, I, I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna take the other side on this. All right. I think this is a game because once you've bought the game and you've started playing the game, you, they've won. They've got you. Okay. You've bought the game. Yeah. So calling the game Tower of Babel. And putting a, you know, making the box seem like, and the game does have a tower in it. It does, um, multiple towers. Right. So, I mean, does it, I mean, does it fit the the story at all, the, the biblical story? No. But I think the point was they wanted to have something tower related that people could catch on, that, that you know, with people would gravitate towards. Because you can think of a million cool ideas for a tower of babel game i mean something as simple as like a jenga get you know, clone you could call tower of babel you know anything where you're building a tower now unfortunately this is not a game where you build and or climb a tower well i guess you kind of climb one and the, the towers really aren't towers either so there's a lot of things <laughs> that if are, i saw that are... this game on the shelf and i saw the name i would think to myself hey this must be like some kind of religious game yeah that well you, you got a point there because and, which, and, and how and, many and, big and, hit religious games do you know about zero yeah, that's that, how many that's true you know you, you got can a go, good point you can there, go so. see wasp or you can go catch striper who's gonna and, and i don't right. like either band right I'd, I'd rather see striper but you see my point now that right. much said uh there is nothing biblical or religious about this game in any way except for that little bit in the opening and so right. I, I wonder if the name didn't do any favors. But who? I'm just guessing. Um, so, huh. Well, now it's time to talk about what the game is, <laughs> the game is Boat. Um, how would you summarize? It's funny, even in the categories on Lemon, they've just got sub, They've got one of the categories as unknown. <laughs> they just gave up trying to categorize it. So what would you, how would you categorize this game? This is a 3D first-person puzzle game. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I'd say you're right there. Uh, the, with with some minor action-y elements. I mean, very yeah, minor. What, what, I mean, this is this is basically uh, a game like Sokoban, where you're, you're pushing things, you're yeah. pulling things, you're interacting with your environment to achieve some sort of goal. Uh, you, could, you could call it a, a first-person Adventures of Lolo. Wow, you're really getting out there. I, I guess I, I see what we're talking about. The game, but to 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 at least give people a basis that haven't seen this game. Okay, this game casts you in the role of of three different robots. Think to yourself, um, think uh, a three D uh, game uh, that you move characters around that have different abilities, sort of like say a Lemmings. Uh, mm-hmm. And and you have to, uh, every level you go to has a series of conditions to let you win that level. Um, okay, how's that? Let, 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 let me try. Let okay. me let me give this a shot here. So you've got three spiders. You've got a zapper. You've got a pusher, and you've got a grabber. Okay, yes. there have never been three more aptly named forces in, in creation. It also sounds okay? creepy. Because you've got a they do what of they say. Spiders, yes. <laughs> Okay, so I, at the beginning of each level, you get a goal. You either have to destroy some crap, or you've got to collect these things called Klondikes, which are essentially boxes. They're like power okay? supplies in the, in the manual. 
basically. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you have a 3D plane that has uh, different heights that you walk around on. Okay. There are lifts. There are conveyor belts. There are other contrivances that hinder or help your progress around the tower. Okay, so your job is to negotiate this 3D environment using your zapper, your pusher, and your grabber robot or spider to achieve the goal. That's it. That's yeah. the game in a nutshell. Now, the things that stand in your way are there. There are rocket turrets. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of these things, but they are basically there are these turret-mounted guns that fire at you, and if you stand within their plane of shooting, they will kill you. Okay, yeah. so you got to contend with that. You've got to contend with your environment, and the the environment also puts blocks in your way. And the blocks, depending on what the puzzle is, they, they you either have to use them or you have to get them out of the way. Uh, for example, in one very memorable puzzle, I think it's called Death Valley. Uh, you are yeah. flanked. the The hall is flanked by these uh, turret mounted guns, and what you have to do is take your pusher and push the block in front of you. And the, what happens is the the block reflects. The uh, the gun shots back onto the guns and it destroys the guns. You know that's the first so, level I got past without the guy in the video helping me get past. It. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. I, I'm like, yeah. I think I think that was the same way for me too. So, um, this game has tons and tons and tons of levels and the way that the level selection screen works is that you have a grid and you start on a everybody has to fix everybody has to solve a first then you can either solve b or you can solve d because it's a three by three grid and you basically work your way through the levels in sequence uh until you you complete them all um this is a very run-of-the-mill puzzle game what makes it unique is that it's completely in 3d uh, there's, this game has been done a million times, you know, in 2D, uh, but the fact that this is 3D and it, it runs reasonably well uh, sort of puts it above. Uh, it, it, I will say it makes it unique, wouldn't you say, Aaron? You know, uh, yes. First of all, the, the the robots in this that you control, the Zentorian robots, they look identical to that creepy robot that really exists that you always see walking up down the yeah, stairs. Yeah, the, Bo the Boston Dynamics The one robot. they screw with, they make it walk over something, they go out and beat it with sticks and crap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It looks just like these. It's, it's, yeah, that's our actually, future overlord. It's, yeah. quite, it's quite remarkable, honestly. Uh, <clears throat> they've also put little touches in, like in the background. You'll see uh, like this rotating planet. You'll see lightning. You'll see shooting stars. So I like that those little touches. The game itself... You know, when we when we first started this game, I first loaded this up, and if you don't look at a manual or anything, all right, because always you know how I am, I loaded it up, and you're confronted with the screen. The screen consists of basically a view area, which takes about half the screen, and then underneath that are like a bunch of like arrows and a bunch of buttons. And I was just looking at this like I'll never figure this out. I'm screwed. Yes, all that right? was exactly <laughs> the same thing because this game. This is where this game... Okay, we've talked about the game itself. Like, once you know how to play the game, how the game is played. Yeah. Okay, where this game is not good is the way that you're greeted with the game. Because there is a tutorial in the game. Yeah, it's hard. I could... I, yeah. It, I, cause, and it doesn't really teach you anything. Well, I mean, it, um, it assumes you understand the controls right away. What this... Okay, what this game gives you is a tremendous amount of control from the beginning over lots of different aspects of the game. Yeah. And and so what you've got is you've got 
buttons that that have that show you various camera views there the 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 compass points north east south and west so you can look at the level from all over and when you've selected one of those camera points you can use the directional arrows that are to the right uh to uh, zoom in zoom out go left go right you can really scope out the entire level uh you know before you do anything if you're patient enough to do that <laughs> because now, it, it ain't fast what they should have done was make this completely different. This is the part of the game. Like, there are two things in the game that, that they should have done different, and both of them have to do with the camera. Yeah. The first is instead of making you choose a, a, a direction and then zooming in and out around that as if you've got four cameras mounted on you know the, the, the compass points of, of the level, they should have given you a completely free-roaming camera that you, you, you can move around exactly how you want with the cursor keys and using the mouse, okay? Yeah. This can be done because Elite did it, okay? It did. It did, did. Uh, you know, yes, I, I agree with you. And I was thinking more like something like, at the bare minimum, something like a Mario 64 style. Well, Elite did it a million billion years right, before I know, Mario 64. I know, but I mean, it would be the camera, the, a free-roaming camera that you could control easily would make go a long way in this game, right? Because you're right, right. and, and, and the reason why I use Elite is because it's a contemporary game yeah, to this. Yeah, I understand. So you I understand. can't, okay. Well, Elite so, didn't have as much going on on the screen as this does, and probably not use. Uh, probably Elite didn't take as much computing power. And I'm this a, game I'm, does not have a lot going on on the screen. It's man. got, but I mean, it's got way more than Elite. You know, I, mean, I don't. It's know. got a lot of stuff going on, and I'm, I'm assuming that. And, well, let's there's nothing tracks. ever in motion except for you in this game. But there's still you're the only thing that moves. It's generating a lot of stuff in real time. I don't. Listen, we're both. We don't know. Okay, but whatever reason they had, they didn't do it. All right. Yeah. Maybe they didn't. Have, maybe I mean, this is early on. Maybe they didn't think of it. Okay, we don't know. Now, oh, I guarantee you they didn't think about it. They didn't think of it because nobody had come up with a good way to control cameras. I mean, right. that's still a problem in games yeah. now is camera control. So I don't I don't blame the guys, but I wish that is something that they could have done that was within the realm of possibility. Yeah, yeah. The I, second yeah, thing... That was the, but that is the worst part. Yes, I agree with that. The second thing... I don't think that's the worst part. I oh, think okay. this is the worst part. The worst part is the default view of your robot. Because when you click on a robot, it immediately transfers you to first-person view. Yeah. And that makes it extremely difficult yeah, no to navigate good. through these levels. Yeah. Okay? You boy, ain't that the What truth. they should have done was what, and, and Aaron and I both got this from a guy, I think his name is Big Ian, if you want to check out I'm his video. Right this now. might be the one that is, is that the one that's playing I'll, right I'll now? I'll while you're talking. Go ahead. Okay. But um, he's like, listen. This is this view is no good. What you need to do is set this, this, and this, and basically zoom the camera out so you can see most of your spider as he as he strolls about the level. Now, I wish that you could have gone further and even zoomed it out a little bit more so you could see the complete spider. The way that it works with the most zoomed out view is you still can't see the very bottoms of his legs as you move around, and I, that that makes it better because a lot of these a lot of these you move from square to square. It's a square based game. And a lot of times, before you can move uh, in a direction, you have to reach the midpoint of a square. And I wasted so much time like trying to get on a lift. You think you're on the lift. You're under the gun because these levels are timed. You hit the down button, but the down button doesn't work because you actually triggered the back button because your, your robot hasn't reached the middle of the square yet. And the reason why you can't see that is because you can't zoom far enough back out to see the robot's legs. Oh, it's it's 
Big Ian with a, a apostrophe S. It's it's Big, Big Ian. Ian. Check out his video. He's great. One of the pro and like you said, the camera. There's no real way around this. His camera angle is great, except there are times when you need a first person perspective because there's something in front of it, but you can't tell because you're behind right. it. And so yeah, then it's, then you've got to go and ch either change it back or change camera views and hope or hope change robots. Hopefully someone else can see what's ahead of you. I guess what we're saying is it's a, it's a labor intensive event to get through the you know seeing everything and keeping track of your robot. Now, now, go ahead. Here's the next part. Okay, so we've talked about the uh, robot selection. So if you're listening to this, think in your mind a, a screen full of buttons. Okay, that that takes up almost half the screen in this game. On the right, the the leftmost column is your different robot selection. The middle is your controls. It's basically a uh, left, right, up, and down button. Um, you know, fire button. There's also a pause button. And then the right side of the screen is something totally wacky, okay? Yeah. Because you can play this game in one of two ways. You can play this game uh, in real time where you are controlling the robot directly, okay? Or if you want to, and I assume that some of the harder levels you have to, Yeah. You can switch into what I like to call the old Robo Rally mode. Okay, <laughs> yes. if you've ever played, if you ever played the board game Robo Rally, one of the all-time classics. I was classics. it Big Tracks mode, but yeah, okay, it's the exact same Big thing. Tracks yeah. mode. So what you can do is you can actually program in movements for each robot ahead of time, and you can program up to I think eight movements. And say that you want your zapper to go up four squares, shoot the zapper, turn right, and then return to its location. You can do that. Then you set up the pusher to do something and the grabber to do something. Then you hit run all, and they will all operate in tandem on their own until they complete their programs. What did you think about that, Aaron? I didn't. I, most of the time when I use that, first of all, it, when we say there's a mode, it's not really a mode. You're still, you could, you could intermingle programming your robots with not yeah. programming them. It's all, yeah. it's all in the yeah. same time. Um, when you do, I, most of the time I did that specifically to get a guy out of my way, or if I knew I, that guy could keep going four or five spots and had to fool with him. It's not like I set up a bunch of strategic planning beforehand because I wasn't good enough to do that. All right, but I understood right away how it worked. Uh, because, again, I, I've got one. In fact, people see it on my shelf back here, the old big tracks. That's how you program the old big tracks. You use the arrow mm -hmm. keys, the fire button, and you hit you know, hit go. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's it's not a concept that's too foreign to me. And you're right. It's just like Robo-Rally. Luckily, unlike Robo-Rally, and this, you're not going to fall to your death. I mean, you can still screw up, but in Robo-Rally, you get you really hosed. Uh, well, which, yeah, in this game, there's only one way to die, and that's if you run out of time or if you get shot. That's two that's ways. The, that's Okay, you're right. That is two ways. <laughs> There's only two ways to die in this game. Uh, yeah, and uh, now there are t there are actually I don't, I don't know how far you got into this boat. I watched some guys. There's really not a ton of video in this game either. I looked, uh, but there's stuff up ahead. There's also like proximity mines. I don't know if you saw those. Oh yeah, you're right. Those I, I didn't yet. know about that. I just forgot. Uh, there's also different sorts of lasers that can that can do different sorts of stuff that are not just mounted. Uh, it's of course, just like any game of this type, you're, as you get into the higher levels, it gets wackier. There's also this jumping robots, a bebop around. you got to take care of them. So there's there are tar targets out there. They can kill you. But what will often kill you is yourself. 
I've shot mm-hmm. my own robots many times. I've ra- mm-hmm. <laughs> that's something that's irritating. And it, it's a neat effect because if a robot gets shot, you know it immediately because your screen yeah. immediately goes to static, and you're like, okay, that's that 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 one's out of commission. I've so. been pondering the best way to describe this game since I played it because this is not if you're listening to this on in your car or whatever, you're, and you're trying to in your brain, you're like, what are these goose talking about? If you picture uh, uh, a three dimensional like grid basically in your head. You and you move your robot one grid spot at a time, and every time you want to move him forward, for example, you have to hit the up arrow for every movement in any direction. All right, so he he won't go ten squares forward unless you program in ten squares. Otherwise, he'll just go one spot at a time, and that's how the game goes across this checkerboard landscape with different levels. There are ellipses like boats that go up and down. Uh, some of the missions involve you just going out to shoot people. Some of them involve you... Not collect- people. I mean, robots. Some of them involve you, or guns, or whatever. Uh, some of them involve you having to uh, get those Klondikes. Some of them are timed. Uh, sometimes you'll have to go out and risk one and literally kill one of your own robots just to get it the level completed. They regenerate for the next level, so you're, it's not like you're screwed or anything. They, yeah, they don't you oftentimes have to sacrifice a robot to to move yeah. on to the next level. Sometimes they just get them out of your way, you know. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, and you can win the level. But even if you kill, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to have a certain robot to survive. But you, if you don't need them and you kill them, it's okay. You keep the level, keep going. It'll tell you when you screwed up to the point where the level's over. Uh, in between levels, there's a uh, little cut scene that shows you some action. It's interesting how you pick levels in this. Like Boat said, they give you this sort of grid work. It's like it's basically like a, uh, uh, I think it's like what is it four four rows of four something like mm-hmm. that, and they're lettered A B C D E F G H and and so once you pick a letter, then you get past it. You can pick any of the adjoining letters, and you sort of work. So you don't have to go through them in alphabetical order. You can skip around. If you come to a level you can't get past, you don't have to. You can skip to another one. You know that's in the same area that you could go to. Uh, like Boat mentioned, there's a pause button. When you go to the pause button, it opens up the separate menus where you could like uh, do do load and save stuff, or start the level over, or change your views. I was never happy with any of the views that I got. Certainly not the default view, like Boat said. And the one we put it in was the best one, but even it wasn't perfect. I would have liked a way to have swapped views on the fly somehow. Boat would have been handy, uh, uh, but. This is a game of its era. You know, I could see what they were doing here. I could see the, the concepts behind it. You could tell learned men made this game. It wasn't some just goof. I mean, they put a lot of thought in this game. In fact, every level tells you who designed it. That level, mm-hmm. which I thought yeah, was interesting. I thought that was, that was cool, yeah. Yeah, so you could know who to yell at if, you, <laughs> if they hosed you. You could be like, hey, it was that guy. So that was pretty cool. But... Uh, you have to to play this game. You have to have a lot of patience uh, and a lot of, of time on your hands because it's you don't just sit down and knock out a quick game of this. I mean, you can get past some of the levels fairly quick, but I'm just doing anything. The robots are not fast. Uh, the game it's all it's all it's as close to being. I mean, which is this turn based? What is this? Both sort of turn based and sort of not. Uh, well, here's well, it's like I said, it's it's it, it's a weird hybrid because. You have some objects of the, you know, some objects move around constantly, like those bounder bots. Uh, those guys move around all the time. So it's definitely not turn-based because you have to, it, 
the game doesn't make you move right away, but once you start to move around the level, like if you enter into the path of, of something that's moving, then you're gonna you're gonna die. Yeah. Um and so I it's a weird mishmash. It's sort of quasi turn based. I'm sure there's a real word for it. I was thinking about, you know, would this game be better if if it gave you let's pretend like this is a a contemporary game and you have WASD control with your mouse and you're moving your you're moving your robot around with WASD and it's like, you know, in real time. Yeah. Would that I be thought, a better game? I thought about that too. In fact I also tried the arrow keys desperately hoping it would work. Yeah. Just because no I got dice. sick of clicking the thing. Uh, again, they could have done that. Um you could all if this with a few exceptions, minor exceptions, you could you, this could have been a board game. I yeah. mean, in a weird yeah. way. I mean, there are some like because most of the robots that shoot in the arrow now getting mine, me and Bo didn't get anywhere near the levels that have the guys that freeze you or the worms or any of these other guys. But most of what we saw were like the with guys that would just shoot you and they hit when in line of sight. So you could actually play that some of these levels on like with like Legos if you wanted to, you know, or something. Uh, I think it would be easier to tell what was going on doing it that way. I don't think the arrow keys. I mean, it would have been a convenience. Let's face facts. But to me, this is just this is an example of a game. This comes from a time, the brave new world of computing, where they were trying every sort of game they could in 3D. Yeah. You know, this predates the consoles uh, by a large margin because computers could do 3D before consoles could, and so they took a game because, like I said, this is just it's basically just a block, a moving block puzzle uh, type game, and they 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 put it, they brought it into the third dimension, and um and it it doesn't completely succeed, but yeah. I don't think it's a garbage game no, by any stretch. I agree. In fact, part of me really enjoyed it after I figured out what was going on. And some of the elements, and we, oh, by the way, there's also a, uh, an editor to make your own towers, which would be mm -hmm. interesting, you know, and there's a, apparently there's a fan base out there that's really into this game that has done that. I think this game, uh, this would be a great game to do a, a reimagining, which apparently that's happening. I was, re I know when uh, they said in 2015, they did a remake of this for the, for the iPhones. And apparently there's a no there's another version in the works that's you know like a fan made version or something. So I, this game's living on. I mean it's got its fans, but I again it's a game of its time. If you're comfortable in in the way it's set up, you'll be okay. Bo, do you remember that game we played on the uh, ZX Spectrum and it was big on the C64, where you take the robots and you try to take over other robots. And, yeah, that was uh, I think that was Spin Dizzy, right? No, no. Uh, it, no, no, no. It was. Uh, it's real famous. Oh no! It was, it's the three D. It's the yeah, isometric the 3D game. game that. Yeah, I, I know what you're, exactly what we're talking about. Paradroid. That's it. Thank Paradroid, you, Sue. Yeah. I wondered. I thought about maybe how this would play with that isometric view, where you're, you know, back where you could see the whole level. That might have been mm -hmm. a th something they could have thought about doing too. Where you, I think I would have enjoyed this without the three D element, as it is. I think I would. I like to be further back. Because, again, I don't like to fight having to see what's going on. And yeah. now they use yeah. those elements in the gameplay as part of the puzzles. They will hide guns and stuff, that, and mm -hmm. it will require you to actually check out all the cameras so you know where the hidden guns are. So they use right. that as a game element. But I think they could have just as easily not done that and changed the view to, like, an isometric maybe. But I'm not even yeah. sure how that would have worked. Just a game in, in of a, its era. 
Right. It's a, it's a game of its era. Yeah. This was early in the three. The people just didn't know the right way to do 3D yet. Some would argue that we're still working on that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I can't I can't bury these guys for for trying what they thought would work. Because, you know, by and large, I think that if for people that are fans of the puzzle genre, I think that you can get your money's worth out of a game like this. And like you said, this game has a following to this day. Uh, so, you know, there are people out there that really enjoy it. Now, the, I mentioned this was uh, ported over from the ST, but it also had a port on the Acorn Arkham Mini, so I couldn't resist uh, but uh, do a little port comparison between the two. Uh, I think the Archimedes one might be a little slower, <laughs> which was, <laughs> there you go on that. Uh, but uh, uh, they look similar. You know, of course, we know that the Acorn Archimedes is a capable little machine. Uh, and so, uh, but there, it's a uh, it's a decent looking version. I looked at the ST version too, and the ST version is very similar to the Amiga. Now, the Amiga did get some enhancements that the ST uh, didn't get. Of course, for the one reason it came out second, and that's one of the reasons why. Uh, saving games is different. They also changed up the uh, 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 the way the screen runs between 50 and 60 uh, hertz. They also enhanced the sound effects, and they did a little extra with the mouse. Uh, so, And they did, they tried to give a little more color. So I would say probably the definitive versions, the Amiga version. Having not played the Archimedes version, no, I, I wouldn't know. Maybe somewhere down the line, but we'll try this uh, on the on the that's end. when we start our Archimedes cast. There you go. Well, maybe <laughs> I was thinking on the ST, but yeah, you never be right. Now, <laughs> just to get into the reviews a little bit here, and then we'll jump into the Discord. Uh, this reviewed, I would say, consistently uh, across the board. The people at Lemon uh, gave this a eight point three eight, which is real good. Uh, uh, your Amiga Action seventy three, Amiga Computing seventy seven, Amiga Format ninety five. Amiga Joker, 88. One of the highest Amiga Joker scores I think we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, CU Amiga gave it a 93. Uh, uh, Dator Magazine gave it a 9 out of 10. The Gaze Machine gave it an 81. Total average score, according to our friends at Lemon, 85% is the average. What did we get on yeah. Discord, Boat? Uh, Z9K9 writes, A classy package of grid-aligned interlocking puzzles. The restricted camera choices make your spatial awareness part of the game and ground you in the 3D that was still a little magic back then. The frame rate chugs at times, but it's sufficient for the game's meditative pace, and maybe it stopped the levels from getting too big. Reprogramming your moves and watching them unfold automatically like the A-Team is a cigar-chomping pleasure and needed in some in some timing-critical challenges later on. Yeah, Puzzles aspire to make every square and move thoughtfully count. There are a substantial number of them, and the hit rate, not to mention the wit rate, is good. On the 8-bit machines, Pete Cook built some quirky and great games upon limitation-defying bespoke 3D effects. Here, with modern-looking polygons, his ingenuity turned further still to the baked-in content. 8 out of 10 on an upward trend as I approach the end of the game and the memorable levels stack up. Wow, he's quite a wordsmith there, isn't he? he that, that's that's one of the best reviews I've ever read in yeah. my life. Good work, Z9. Lobsterminator writes, I only had, oh, this is a preview, he says. I only had time to go through this tutorial because I started at the last minute. When I started the game, I had no idea what was going on. This game really needs a manual. Well, as luck would have it, this game in manual has a really thorough nine-part tutorial that teaches everything you need to know. Yep. 
This level of hand-holding was rare in Amiga games. If only the text in, was in the game and not in the manual. I will not give a rating because I did not reach the actual game, but I will keep playing this more. That's it, Aaron. Good well, reviews from Lobsterminator and Z9. I can see how people would be hesitant to jump it feet first into this one. Um, yeah. I did look this up on the eBay. They must have sold a few of these because this thing was plentiful, boat, uh, provided mm. you're not in America. Uh, I saw these things going all day long for ten, twelve, fifteen bucks. Looks like there were there was a, a uh, like a master tape version of this that was a, a tape version of the Amiga when I saw, or at least it was it could have been the disc in a tape case, but it said tape on the auction. Uh, but I saw this going for ten bucks. They were called the Astra Pack. I also saw uh, some eleven buck versions in the box. So I think you can get this one uh, dirt cheap, El Boto. Okay. Okay. I'd All buy right. it. What the hell? That's what I'd say. Yeah. Now, Aaron, as we leave Tower of Babel, it's time to talk about a whole nother Tower of Babel, our YouTube channel. Oh, man. Nice segue, Boat. We didn't have a ton of stuff uh, this week, but we did have a couple things that snuck in, I believe, just at the wire last week. I think we talked about, uh, just I want to hit it again, Hermsky's uh, video here on the... Uh, ZX Nuvo. I know we. I think we briefly touched on it because it just came out. This is really a good video, and Hermsy did a great job. You get to see him put this thing together. This is, of course, the uh, ZX Spectrum clone. Just want to touch on it again. Uh, a real interesting video. If you're thinking about picking one of these up, definitely check this out. And I could, this is one machine I could absolutely see uh, picking one of these things up, Boat. It'd be kind of fun uh, to put something like this together, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. This This is a sort of build project. I feel like I could handle because it's, there's not a whole lot of soldering or other things. In fact, uh, this you know this might be something I decide to do in the future. You know, in summer break, I have some time. One of these boards and uh, stick it in one of the brand new Spectrum cases. Get a another dead flesh keep uh, 48k. I guess it can emulate anything 128k whatever. Let, it's really the best of both worlds. You get that you lovely, lovely keyboard plus the power of the 128. Can you really see yourself doing that during the summer? I mean, for no, real? Never. Okay. Never. No. Because I looked at the bottom of that when you said limited solder, and there were 4 million solder points. I thought to myself, <laughs> even me, I thought, man, I sure missed my solder wave from back at IBM. Uh, also, I mean, this debuted literally as we went to press last week. I want to touch on this again. Our good pal Frodo and his Barbie stream. It's been a big hit this week, uh, Boat. And this was dovetailed nicely into my stream from last week. When I also did Barbie, I kind of picked up where uh, Frodo left off. Uh, that is still up on Twitch. If you want to catch my stream and Frodo's here on YouTube, it'd be a nice one-two punch to sit down with your daughter or son and watch, uh, I don't know, say six hours of Barbie games, Boat. Are you and Ebe going to do this on a romantic evening? That's, that's, that's our weekend set right there. <laughs> there it is. I, I like the idea. You cuddle up, two glasses of wine, and you watch mm -hmm. Frodo wear his penguin hat, and then you watch me in full makeup. It's going to be it's glorious. <laughs> Um, let's talk about, uh, speaking of glorious, I know a guy who's not glorious. He's called the Brent and he was with me this week as we took on the psycho SH arcade board. Uh, this, uh, is a board that is responsible for quite a few, uh, I'd say fairly prominent, uh, shmups from back in the day, the Gunbird series. But of course, you know, me and Brent, neither one of us picked this shmup. <laughs> I picked... Gun Barrage, a bizarre uh, uh, Arkanoid clone where you play a little anime character with pinball uh, flippers. 
whacking the ball around. Brent put this over like a million bucks and, and berated you me for not liking it enough. Have you tried this yet? I haven't tried it, but I want to because uh, I, I wonder where I'm going to fall. Because like you said, it looks really, really busy. But I'm interested to see what Brent said about how well you can control the ball and if that makes a difference or not. Uh, so. Amazingly, I, this was a trip back in time. We also, but Brent's game he picked on the uh, Psycho SH series was a load runner, the dig fight. Now, you'll recall when I stupidly, I think it was me that st- picked that for the Game Boy back when me yeah. and you did it. It was like way back in like episode seven or something. Mm-hmm. And that game was rock hard. You remember how hard mm-hmm. that game was? Yeah. We both hated yeah. it. I actually enjoyed the dig fight quite a bit. This looks a lot. This looks a lot better. Oh, it's a lot more fun, and uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 got rules. It's not insta kill. I think this is a winner. If you're a fan of Load Runner and you haven't tried this, I sincerely think you should give this a whirl. I think it's really good. So Brent did a good job. He liked mine more than I uh, did. And I liked his more than he did. So. Anyway, if you're into that sort of thing, catch us on ARG. I should mention that uh, this Sunday we'll be releasing the big uh, anniversary show. So if you're into that, we'll be it'll be coming out Sunday. Now, speaking of big shows, Bo, you want to go over this one? This was the yeah. debut, my friend. So it, it finally released after months of trying to convince you to do the show. Well, and then he, you, and he, then <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way. Okay, I'm until the day touch, that I folks. said, Aaron, we're doing a new show. That's it, yes. And you tried to fight me, but I, I didn't yield. And uh, and so, yeah, the Atari ST show debuted episode one, Oids, Oids. Yeah. Of course, this is the show that we are focusing mainly on games that did not appear on the Amiga. So uh, if you are curious, if you're ST curious, as they say, uh, you can <laughs> They don't uh, say that. Out... Ain't nobody saying that. <laughs> You can check out uh, some games that we didn't get over here in Amiga Land and uh, enjoy our, you know, kind of maiden voyage with this computer because neither one of us really had this computer growing up and uh, and or spent a lot of time with it. And I think Oids was a good first episode. You know, it was a nice combination of the old and the new in terms of taking some older arcade games and combining them with some other features. So, uh, yeah, and our next episode uh, is going to be coming in February. We're going to be covering Super Sprint. Super Sprint. You know, I will say, first of all, um, there's been a little, uh, I've got a couple messages from people like, I can't believe that one of the Amiga guys is doing a show on the ST. Uh, People should know by now, me and Boat have no allegiances. We like, we we move seamlessly from system to system. And I Mm -hmm. like it. I I mean, I want ARG. I've played everything and you run it for a We've played it all. And I've had to say that the uh, ST is a machine I really have not, played very much with the exception of the things we played on on ARG that's pretty much it so i'm coming into this sort of like you came into amiga just like completely uh i have no idea what's going to happen i will say uh I, this first game was real good i like i was real impressed it really played well now i've heard this is one of the top games in the system so at least we started off on the right foot but i thought this was a real clever game with a lot of real nice touches I really enjoyed it, so I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, is, uh, what comes down the pike uh, in the future. But yeah, I think we uh, had a good a good start of it. Yeah, yeah. What so, do we got next, Aaron? Last but not least, the boat. Uh, our good buddy, the Flaxter. You may have heard this, but this guy's starting a new show. You want you want mm-hmm. you want to fill people in on this new show? 
He's not only starting a new show, he's starting two, two new, new shows. shows. Two new shows, but specifically so, one that has bearing on this video. Right. Rob Flack O'Hara of You Don't Know Flack in Sprite Castle fame is starting uh, two new endeavors. One, Cactus Flax, where he talks about and reviews every arcade game he's ever owned, which is a great, great idea for a podcast. I'm yeah, he's so picking happy that, that one back up after, what, about 12 episodes, something like that? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's starting a brand new show uncharted ground for uh the the podcast i mean there have been dos gaming podcasts in the past but never never one like like a dos yeah, that's right like a dos is is casting a wide net anything from the mid 80s to the mid 90s if it ran on dos he's going to be covering it and i am super excited about this show uh because uh the first episode is rogue and I'm I love Rogue. I love me some Rogue. So uh, I'm looking forward. And of course, uh, Flack did a Rogue stream to celebrate the upcoming launch of Like a Dos. And I guess that he took his normal digression at some point, didn't he, Aaron? You know, I only caught the very end of this, so I didn't get to so see. So he what actually happen. goes through and uh, and talks about concert tickets. And uh, oh, I he did hear about off, that. Yeah, stuff like that. And so. You know, the great thing about Flack is you're never bored when you're watching his stream. He's always got something going on. He's telling stories. He's pulling stuff out from behind his back, uh, and he's playing some great games. So definitely check out this week's uh, Sprite Castle stream uh, called, uh, well, I guess I might, I guess this is going to be a new series, the Like a Doss stream, uh, where he's playing Rogue. I will say, uh, um, I, I did play Rogue back in the day, but Flack plays some Rogue. I mean, he goes two and a half hours of playing this Rogue game. So if you're into Rogue, and I know a lot of people are, uh, this is the stream for you, so check it out. And also, Boat, we should mention that Like a DOS is going to be on our network. Uh, so if That's you right. if you are subscribed to our uh, Anchor uh, and, or uh, to our uh, YouTube, I guess you'll get uh, everything that Like a DOS has to offer. Correct, Boat? That's right. Uh, like a DOS and I believe Cactus Flax is also going to appear oh, on beautiful. the Amigos Retro Gaming Podcast Network. There you go. So uh, you don't have to do anything. Just keep on subscribing to our network feed and you will get all of the shows. There you go. That's all we got, uh, Boaster. That's all we put out this week. All right. Well, as we move towards uh, coming up next week, I do want to remind everybody that if you enjoy the show, we do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. You get all kinds of cool stuff. You get uh, limited edition magnets every Christmas. They're awesome. Uh, you get a nice Christmas card from us. But the best part about being a Patreon supporter is you get access to our world-famous Discord server where it's basically just the nicest, most knowledgeable group of people have assembled uh, to uh, talk about all things retro computing and retro gaming. I love it, and I'm there pretty much 24-7. That's it. You're never, you're never sleeping, are you? You're always never. seeing you on there. Beautiful. I'm on there all the time, too. I love it. So, Aaron, speaking of Patreon, we have last week's Patreon song challenge. Now, if you recall... Last week's Patreon song, we were live, and I we were together. We were live, obviously, but we were together in the arcade. Yeah, and uh, and I did it off the cuff, and I'm reaping the benefits of doing it off the cuff because nobody got it. Nobody got last week's song. I didn't challenge. know what I had no idea what you were. I wasn't sure it was not a song, maybe some sort of old chant or something <laughs> like that. You know, like some kind of or a sea chant, something like that. What was that? Well, I went Scandinavian. I went. I, it was the sign by Ace of Base. That was the sign. Yeah, it was. It I was a sign that you suck. It's what that I was. I did all the parts. Plus, I did the I did the instrumental interlude. Man, I can't. Because I, I don't hate Ace of Base, and I, I'm I'm a Paul. I'm gonna make a real list of that. Try to pick that beat up. Horrible. So, 
Nobody, nobody got it. But hopefully somebody will get this one. Oh, we got this it. one. The June bugs are back, and we've got something special for you. If you know it, send me an email at johnandamigospodcast dot com, and I will send you. Oh, I will announce you as a winner on next week's show. If you're in the chat, send you love. Send me an email. Don't put it in the chat. That's right. All right, Aaron, hit my music.
There it was. All right. I like that. So we appreciate all of our Patreon supporters, and uh, we also appreciate all of our Twitch subscribers. You know, Aaron, there's lots of people that like to watch the show live and in person. And uh, even if you are not able to, you should definitely follow us on Twitch because Amigos TV birthed its first. I, don't I want to hear where you're going. Sentence. Yeah. Birthed its first baby. <laughs> Try again, boat. What did Amigos TV do? Amigos TV was on the air for the first time this yeah. past Monday. Uh, and uh, basically what we're doing is we're taking our rich back catalog of, uh, of accommodations of different shows that we've done, different Amigos Plays videos we've done, plus some funny and interesting bumpers submitted by uh, members of the community. And we're rolling into one of the tight package that you can uh, watch on uh, at your leisure. Just turn on and uh, and just kind of have in the background playing. Uh, and it, it went really well. We had a good crowd in there. People seemed to really enjoy it. Uh, we have a special guest, VJ. Remember VJ's, Aaron? Yeah, I like that. What a great concept. Bring it back, yeah. man. So uh, we're, we're going to have a special guest, VJ, on the next block. So if you follow us on Twitch and get notified, you'll know exactly when Amigos TV is coming back. But we're here to talk about the subscribers, Aaron. We want to thank mm. all of the Twitch subscribers, including Edvin Helland, who's joined us live right now from the Man Cave, mm. Qubits, Negsol, Buck Owens, Orom, Macintosh Librarian, Monza Mess, Steve Burtz, Back to 8-Bit with Hermsky, Frodo and L, Still Adolescing, Texas Foosballer, Explorer, Butterberg, I Am Chris Folds, Real Retro Dude, Da Crabs MTG, Grizzla, Demo Scene TV, M. Kelly 0904, Blow Jellyfish, Am I Steph, Blue Train, Bum 7, Great Al G, Captain Chaos DK, Eeyore 4077, The Amiga Show, Gary Heather, Lord Soup, Scumboy, Luminate 08, Amiga Live, Dragonbane OZ, John Marshall 3, Paco Take, Uber Scuba Diver, Mitsuyama, and Retro Jerry. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on Twitch. Thank you. Now, Aaron, next week, guess what? It's time for another strategy simulation game. What did we just oh, play? Yeah. What did we just play? Listen, man, it's strategy sim from here on out. What was that? What category did we just play? Oh, seriously, I have no, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, is, that's out of my hands. All right, keep going. So, Aaron, but this is a, this is good news, Aaron, because this is a game I think that you like, and I know I like it. Silent Service. Oh yeah, Silent Service. Okay, beautiful. Submarine beautiful. That's a simulation. Okay, yeah, yeah. great. This was uh, this was nominated by Amigos Game Selection Committee Zorglub uh, member Zorglub, so we're we're always happy when the glub gets up there. And of course, we want to thank the entire Amigos Game Selection Committee for voting on the games that we play each and every week. All right, guys, we're gonna hang it up. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.